At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What it do, baby? It's the Preachers of Sneakers podcast. Back at it again with another singer-songwriter episode. So last time we had Matt Wirtz, awesome dude. Well, Matt Wirtz is best friends with this guy, Dave Barnes. So Matt introduced me to Dave. I've been a big fan of Dave's from afar for a long time. Not only is he a singer-songwriter, he's also pretty much a stand-up comedian, and he's got some amazing podcasts that are crushing the game right now. He was even featured on a soap opera funny enough and we get to talk about some of that he also provided some really helpful insights on the preachers and sneakers discussion and he's just an incredible thinker end to end really i mean he's super multi-dimensional way more than just a guy that tickles the six string so i think you'll enjoy it as always i really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast it's not lost on me that there are 500 million podcasts out there and you're spending any amount of time listening to mine. So very grateful for that. If you haven't, please make sure you subscribe on Apple podcasts, leave a five-star rating and leave a quick review. If you can super helpful to me, be sure to follow me on Instagram at preachers of sneakers and on Twitter at preachers of sneakers, no vowels and preachers of sneakers.com. It's a ton. I know, but you're sitting at home doing nothing anyway. So come through check it out big shouts out to my homies over at podcorn.com for sponsoring today's episode podcorn's a marketplace connecting podcasters to different sponsorship opportunities such as host read ads interview segments topical discussions and more i've used podcorn to collaborate with different brands for advertising my own podcast the good thing about them is that there's no middleman podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities Right on the platform, you can set your own rates and you can collaborate with the brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast and Podcorn is there to support at every step and ensure that you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for these brands. The mission of Podcorn is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when you monetize. So if, if you've got a podcast and you're interested in taking it to the next level and actually monetizing it, head on over to my show notes and click the link Sign up to Podcorn. You can start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. So again, 
head on over to my show notes, click the link to sign up for Podcorn. If you're a podcaster looking to take it to the next level, sign up and start browsing different advertising opportunities today. Okay, enough chatting. Let's get to my conversation with Dave Barnes. The man, the myth, the legend. A little pitchy, but yeah, we'll get there. Let me start. Do you mind if I just start over? Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. The man, the myth, the legend. There it is. Yes. I knew if I came in. To take Charlie over here. Wow. Hey, thanks for using a great mic recording locally. Oh, yeah, man. This is, you know, I got to up the game. Yeah. You can't have a podcast without a $2,000 microphone. That's right. <laughs> That's what I read, at least. <laughs> so I sprung for it initially. I'm talking with Dave Kelsey Barnes, stand-up comic, soap opera star, Instagram content sensation. And he's also written several songs in his spare time that mm-hmm. happened to get nominated for Grammys and CMAs, mm-hmm. um, which makes you the ultimate authority on kind of church leadership theological discussion the the sort of natural arc of that everybody sees it I mean, is. you can see that in my life. Yeah, and that's where you're taking your career now right yes because it's super entertaining for people mm-hmm. and it, it it's it what's it's what makes the most money yes and talking about <laughs> church type topics is the most church lucrative commentary type business but i do appreciate you talking with me i would like to talk uh about some of the things you've done because I've been a big fan of yours for a long time and I'm going to be 100% with you back in the days, like around like 2002, 2003, right. When you were coming up along with like John and Mm. Jason Mraz, I was Mm. not a fan of yours. I was Mm. into screamo and I was into like POD rap metal type stuff. Mm. And I was like, this singer songwriter thing is like real tacky. I just want to be, I want to be a hundred with you. Bro mustache dude. Yeah, I know. I know. But as a grown person now, I uh, wholeheartedly love everything that you do, at least that you choose to put out there. Um, I mean, it goes you, Matt Wirtz, John Mayer. I mean, that's top three. And then like maybe Eminem Eminem, and then David Crowder. So (laughs) so that's. Uh, it's an honor to talk with you, honestly, because I mean, I follow you on Instagram and just weep with laughter because for some, somehow you can, you have been able to so like us both in, both kind of like attacking certain kind of niche. You somehow can do incredible comedic content and also sing uh, a freaking seduce your wife type song in the same sitting. So all that to say is I know people don't, I mean, I know comedians and musicians don't love to be flattered, but I'm really not trying to flatter you. I'm just saying I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> no, I actually love it. And give <laughs> me get a little more. Uh, but I did. I, I met with uh, Matt Wirtz last time I was in Nashville and I was singing your praises whenever I was interviewing him for the pod. And then he connected us. And so I'm very yep. glad he did. But I um, would just like to hear maybe uh, about your career. I've got some things I'd like to to hear more about, but um Maybe briefly talk about your music career. I know, I mean, you've been doing this since 2002. So that's like yeah. 18 years or whatever math yeah, yeah. that is. Um, yeah, just somebody, I mean, I read that you played drums, which I did growing up as well, which, in there. which in is there. super tight uh, until you're trying which to. Which explains the screamo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like, had a ton of angst Double for being a, yeah. 
for being a, you know, private school white kid. Um, <laughs> a lot of anger. So he started, <laughs> so he started uh, playing drums and then in college you play guitar and take, take it from there. I'm, I'm done. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, basically I didn't know, I, I loved music. Um, I, dr- I call drums sort of like my gateway drug. Cause uh-huh. I thought that's what I loved. Went to MTSU to study drums, thinking I'd come to Nashville and be like a session drummer or play for, you know. Because you wanted to be rich. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or or plays for DC Talk on tour, which was a real dream month. That Jesus Freak record. I mean. Life changing. Come on, dude. What would people know? And it stands up now. I digress. Um, Absolutely. And then, you know, got to college. Uh, My roommate at the time um, had a guitar and I just kind of started playing. And for some reason, I the first thing that I naturally did was to play was to write songs. So I wasn't like, you know, Mayer learned Stevie Ray Vaughn licks and he wanted to learn how to play the guitar. The guitar was always utilitarian for some reason. I I mean, there's no lineage of that. There's no reason that I would have been like, I'm going to write songs uh, except that somewhere in my brain, the way God made my little, you know, pound of flesh in there. um, I was like, this just feels like I should write songs. So, so it was, purely it was just the vehicle to get that done um, and, and I played drums and, and maybe you've experienced this but I really I don't talk about this I have a podcast that's coming out in the fall called Dave's Five Hot Takes and one of the things I say on this podcast is like I think drums are the best thing to start on because if you can do anything in rhythm you sound like you know what you're doing yeah Any, literally you don't have to know four chords on a piano but if you can play them in time and you have people are like oh dude how long have you been playing you know um <laughs> which is the best <laughs> It's the best. That's like the ultimate. That's like the ultimate comment. I mean, um, dabble. Yeah, well, I dabble. I dabble. I dabble. Dabble. Um, so, um, yeah. So I started. Uh, I started writing songs, and then uh, best friend, who's still my closest friend, best man at my wedding, has got a great voice. Um, and he started singing songs I would write, and we'd write some songs together. And then one afternoon, I played him a song, and he's like, "Dude, this is like probably my." So, uh, sophomore year, I played him a song and he's like, you got to sing that. You sound really cool singing it. And I was like, dude, I don't sing, you know, I'm a drummer. Just no training, no lessons, no nothing. Yeah, nothing. You're just reading tabs on guitartabs.com or getting. Yeah. That was before the, that was before the guitar tabs. It's like music days. books from the, what, 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 what were they called? I guess they're called, were they books of tabs at like. Yeah, guitar center that you would buy. Yeah, they still have those cores and all that kind of stuff. I've got one. (laughs) (laughs) I forget about that. Um, so so um, we started playing out. Uh, I played him that song. He's like, dude, I'm not singing that song, and I loved it. And he was like, if you want people to hear it, you gotta sing it. And I was like, okay, tough love. You know, iron sharper than iron. And so that was really. I mean, I laugh all the time. I credit him with my career, but that was that was the beginning. And again, man, for reasons that I, I, I don't know and I don't understand my, my logic was like, well, then I should start playing out because that's what you do. I'd never sung in front of a human being other than my friend, Micah. And suddenly I was like, all right, well, I guess I got to go like start playing some shows. That is, that is, bananas. but this is where, so this you're is just completely not scared. You're just super confident. Like, Hey, let me just go talk to these venues and be like, Hey, what's up? I play the guitar. Yeah. But, you know, don't do, I think, you know what I mean? The confidence is, confidence is really just uh stupidity masked. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the like name ignorance. of your next book. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> book signing tonight at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> um, so, so, so I started doing that. And then, and then really long story short, I did it for a couple of years in college, like would play around intermittently to like, if, if you went like out of friend at Mississippi State, 
hey man, this is what I need you to do to put a concert on. Go to rent a room in this, you know, hall. I can do a show, bring your friends. And there'd be 50 people, 100 people, whatever. I did that for a couple of years in college, graduated college, moved to Nashville. And then uh, a guy named Ed Cash, who's a producer who produced like, back in the day, this was like Bebo Norman, Caveman's Call. Um, and then uh, he moved to Nashville. I knew him through Young Life. And okay. he said, well, man, why don't you, you know, I know you're moving to town. Why don't you just come work for me for a little while? I just need help. I need like grunt work to like babysitting to like help in the studio. So I was like, great. Um, so I worked for him for six months, um, the end of 2001. And we made my first EP, which was called Three Them Four. I met Wirtz around that same time, the end of that year. Also and a young he and I cat. opened for another band for a week. Uh, this is the beginning of January. And then for two weeks, he and I were on the road together. And then I've, I've done it full time ever since. That's bananas. So at, at this time, Ed Cash, was he living off the Chris Tomlin checks? No, no, no. Then? This is way before that. In fact, fun fact, Chris Tomlin knew about Ed from Wirtz. Really? Chris was a huge, uh, Wirtz fan. He had, he had that record that, that, uh, I co-produced with Wirtz. Um, uh, the first record, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Not not some days, but uh, oh my gosh! I mean, it was fifteen years ago. 15 yeah, no, years it's all gone. I don't even know what's. Who are you? Where, why are we? I don't. Here? I don't. I don't know. I still ask myself that every day. Uh, Chris Tomlin, that dude, that guy gets paper. I mean, he oh. won't advertise it, but those CCLI checks are something. I mean, he represents like seventy percent of. That's a made up number. But seventy percent of the CCLI well, payouts. We we had so here's another. I have another podcast that's coming out this summer on Father's Day called Dadville, and it's with John McLaughlin, my buddy. And great jawline, by the way. That yeah, dude, he's beautiful. He's a beautiful. He's man. got the goals. I mean, if I, he's, he's what I imagine myself looking like in heaven. Yeah, after much. a run. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you yeah, know, my I'm shirt just... off, and then I look down. I'm like, no, this isn't what he looks like, which is frustrating because I'm reminded of that four times a day because I see him. I mean, so, they literally live across the street. So obnoxious. Um, but we had him on. We had Chris on Dadville, and it was crazy reading his intro because I call him brag sheets. But you know, I hit up his his managers like, hey, hit me up with a brag sheet. And it he he is one of I want to get this right, but he's one of four artists in the world that have been played like a billion plus times or something or, or his cumulative plays and it's like pitbull him bieber Ed Sheeran, and, and Bieber. it's crazy and you would never know it i mean you've never met a more unassuming unbelievably kind funny lighthearted dude Gosh. i mean if i'm him i'm rolling up in a helicopter absolutely you know I mean? i'm doing the podcast now. it's like you got to come up there to do the like you got to climb the ladder up to my helicopter and we'll hover above the house <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I guess that was a rookie mistake for me is like, was I supposed to ask for your brag sheet? I thought that was on me as the no, podcast. I make it up. It's easier if you don't have it. Cause then I can just say stuff. Oh, okay, cool. So and you have two podcasts coming out. <laughs> five, five podcasts because uh, concerts are over. Concerts are pretty much canceled. I've got priests and cleats, uh, <laughs> which is going to be started very soon. That's good. Yeah. Since football is so uh, relevant now too. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, I have these. I was talking be, to be viewers with soccer. <laughs> I was talking to Chris McClarney. Sorry to name drop, but he's the. Have you ever met him? He's mm-hmm. uh Jesus culture. He's also a, he's a worship leader, mm-hmm. and he's got a lot of. He wrote um, you would know his songs. Okay. But I was talking. He he leads worship at Chris Tomlin's church. Maybe you go. Uh, what's it called? Church of the City. Is that 
in Nashville. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, I just had, I was talking to him. I was like, I just have this image of him and Michael W. Smith sitting at their ranch somewhere, just drinking the most expensive scotch, just belly laughing at how they, how they have just, they just did it. the game. <laughs> They're like, like, so it, they sit there for a moment. It's probably 30 seconds of quiet. And then one of them goes, can you believe it? <laughs> and then they both can't. just start laughing. I still can't scene. believe it. The same three chords. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> for dude, 25 years. That dude's got those old keyboard songs. Ooh, daddy. On that guy's synth. got more key changes than a rental home. <laughs> so I like to say. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So, um, so you mentioned earlier, this is somewhat of a, uh, course change you said earlier your dad was a pastor mm-hmm. is he or did like was that the whole time growing up mm-hmm. was he a pastor yeah. so did you experience any of this so it's like focusing on my subject matter a little bit like did you experience any of the any of these kind of like irrational life standards being put on you and your dad you know it's it's I, i'm really fortunate because my dad uh my dad got saved when he was like 18 and so one of the great things I think that came from that is that he didn't sort of, he grew up in a Christian household household and his mom was like kind of a little bit of a Bible beater um, in the, in Mississippi. Um, yeah, but I out. think dad, you know, I, I'd brag on them all the time about this. They had such a um, blue collar view of Christianity. In other words, like we do this cause it's true. We do this cause it works. And um and that's just it. There's no magic. There's no hocus pocus. This is a functioning belief system that we believe in. Mm-hmm. And so I think what happened with me with that is there just wasn't like a lot of aura. There wasn't a lot of pixie dust. There wasn't a lot of like uh, rules. I mean, we grew up in a PCA reformed home. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it was definitely like, you know, a lot of Bible, a lot of scripture, but there wasn't like that whole like juju of like, bad vibes or I, I don't know how to explain it. it. I will say this, 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 this is a great story about my dad. Um, I was in high school at, um, we moved to Knoxville. My dad planted a church there and it was before we had a youth group. And so I'd never been in a youth group that was like a big popular, popular youth group, like reformed churches. There's always like six kids who that's just how it is. It doesn't matter. You can be in, you know, LA and the biggest Presbyterian church. And it's going to be like four kids, you know, <laughs> yeah. Baptist, you know, especially in the South, the Southern Baptist church has 9,000 and they're all, attractive and you know it's like the but that was just not my upbringing and so when we moved to Knoxville I had this window where I could actually go to the youth group where all my friends went which was never the case and dad didn't have a youth ministry he's like yeah it's great go you know and so this youth pastor uh, made us all do a uh, secular music uh, fast now this is this is the pinnacle of CCM music though this was when it it was the best it it was this was again the DC talk Chris Rice. Oh, it was people. It was, yeah. Oh, it was just, everybody was hitting them out of the park. Nobody hit a triple. It was just every hit was a home run. So, <laughs> so it wasn't that hard to do, but I'll, this, this to brag on my dad. So I'm, I'll never forget this. this is one of the most sort of like, uh, uh, Ebenezer moments of my life. I'm, I'm washing the dishes. Um, and my dad comes in and he's like, Hey, uh, no, I came down and he was watching this and he said, what have you been doing? I was like, oh, I was in my room, just clearing out some CDs. He's like, what do you mean? I said, just putting some stuff up, you know, our youth director, the youth director over at the Baptist church, you know, said that we should do a social, uh, hello, social media fest. This is, this is 95, <laughs> Not, uh, you know, it's Christian music fest. And he said, well, okay. And he's kind of quiet. And I'm like, he's like, so, so what'd you, you know, what'd you, what'd you put up? I was like, um, you know, James Taylor, 
Creighton's Clearwater. He's like, yeah. he goes, uh, real evil stuff. He literally says, uh, like going to Carolina is that that makes you struggle. And I was like, oh. I'm, I mean, not, not really. He's like, yeah. He's like, mm. Mm. like, uh, born in the bayou. Is that like, is that a tough one for you? And I was like, and I literally turned around, walked right back upstairs, pulled all my CDs back out. But I mean, so, so dad has always been a little against the grain on, on that's that awesome. stuff. Like he's, he's always very protective of like what it really means. And so I think Being we realistic. grew up kind of knowing to be careful of not get, drinking the Kool-Aid on like, you know, kind of what we're talking about. Truthfully. Like being legalistic. Yes. And not getting. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, what an awesome perspective for your dad to have. Cause at the time, many parents were like, you better smash your Eminem CDs or you better oh, smash dude. your Dave Matthews CDs. Well, and make no mistake. I mean, I had a season where I went, I kind of went through that a couple years before that. And they, they did like, they had, to, this is when I was like 13, 14. And I was listening to stuff I shouldn't have been listening to. And and it was affecting me. Right. Like, being me being a music lover that gets into my brain. And they and yeah. mom and dad had to be like, Dave, you this look at how you're treating people. Like you're being a jack A basically to us. And and, uh-huh. and it was true. And I knew it. And so, you know, it wasn't that they were like, do whatever you want to do. But I think, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm the same. Like uh I love music too. And I have to choose when I can listen to music because it does affect me so much. Like yeah. it'll, it'll yeah. alter my mood yeah. without uh, me even knowing it at first. Yes. Like country a has a place. Yes. Christian music has a place. Singer songwriter jams uh, always have a place clearly, but uh, rap, like if I'm not careful, I'll start oh, thinking about freaking stuff they're singing about. And that, right. some people can not be affected by that kind of stuff, but it affects yeah. my mood. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Your dad sounds like a great dude. Uh, let me go back a couple of things. So John Mayer follows my account, which I'm pretty proud of, um, by no effort of my own. I don't know who showed it to him, but that was one of the prime achievements of my account. Are you, do you still count him as a friend? Like I read something like 15 years ago, he gave you a shout out on his blog and you responded on MySpace, like legitimately responded on MySpace. Can you talk briefly about that? Yeah. You know, John, um, I haven't seen him in a really, so last time that I think I actually saw him, I did his cruise. He did one of the, you know, music cruises. It was called the mayor craft and he had me come on. Sweet. And I, gosh, that would have been 2007 or eight probably. So I don't, I haven't seen him since then. Um, I saw a concert here a couple of years ago, but that's the only time that I've really seen him. Um, but I saw him a lot for us for for a uh, few years. He he, our worlds are really close. My bass player for most of my um, first four or five years on the road was one of his closest friends. So Matt Mangano, who now is in the Clay Brown or Hello Clay, um, no, geez, he's in the Zach Brown <laughs> Clay Cooker's <laughs> yeah. in the band. He's in the Zach Brown band. Um, who okay. Clay is another mayor guy, you know, because Clay was was the one that wrote Neon and all that stuff with John, and oh, they were in a band before John went solo. But that's why I got those names confused. But Matt now plays in Zach Brown's band. Heard but of him. For five years, Matt played bass for me, and so Matt and Mayor were roommates in Atlanta. Wow. And so, and then I had a million other friends that were friends with John, and so. I, I, he, you know, I went to see him play here in Nashville in probably 2002 um, or three. And we met cause he had heard my music and liked it, which blew my mind. That's uh, crazy. 
and then I just kind of, you know, like he, we had dinner in New York once and, and, um, and I, I went and hung with him after a show here and he did a show with Cheryl Crow at, at a amphitheater here before it got torn down. Um, mm. so I saw him a lot for a season and then, uh, you know, life just got crazy and, um, two different so life I stages. Seen him in a while. I mean, you, he's in a completely different stage oh, yeah. of life than you are. Yeah. yeah. Cause you, yeah. you're married, you have kids. Yeah. Currently three. That's awesome. Yeah. He, he is, uh, I consider myself to be pretty cool around celebrities, but he is one dude where I don't think I could contain it because yeah. like, I, I know, I, I know I'm not that great at music, but I know music well enough to understand how once in a lifetime he is. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him maybe three or four times Yeah, and I get emotional just thinking about it because he does something on stage that no one else can do. Like even just the tone that he brings out in his guitar and the ability to perform in the songs that he writes, man. He's, he's a rarity. I mean, he's a rarity anyway. If he'd been born in the seventies in the singer songwriter movement, he would have been every bit the star, if not bigger than he is now. I mean, he to me is like a 10, I don't know what the word for that is, but like, he's not a triple threat. He's like a 15. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he's such an incredible guitar player. He's an incredible lyricist, incredible songwriter. Melodically, he's um, he's got such a great voice. I mean, his he's just he's incredible. I mean, he really is, as you said, he's kind of a once in a lifetime kind of talent. And he's the guy that works. He puts in the hours to be good at it too. And he's done that since the beginning. Like that's yeah. what people knew him as is like this yeah. kind of nerdy dude that spent all this time at Berkeley in his room yeah. instead of going to class. Right. Uh, but just like watch him, it makes it look so freaking easy. And I know it's like if you practice a ton going to look easy but the things that he's able to do like the improvisation he can do and how easy he makes it look blows my freaking mind and and on top of that he's like funny and witty and can like relate to other celebrities in a way like he does his freaking sunday night thing current mood and it's just like the perfect thing for him because yeah uh kills it yeah he kills it so um you know we don't have to jock i think i think finally you know something that i think we all like is the is the as the pop populace or whatever is that he's also got a personality. Like he's got things that he has to say and he's got an opinion. Sometimes got him in a lot of trouble, but he's also fun to just kind of, cause he, you know, he's, he's got a personality. He's got things to say. So it yeah. makes it fun to watch too. You know? Yeah. And like the whole like progression, like he started out doing the real poppy stuff, kind of mm-hmm. selling out to some, like it looked like he was kind of selling out, but then like he has this massive career moment. And then now he gets to just play whatever the freak he wants. That's right. And it's just the, it's the dopest thing. Like whatever he does, it's so dope. Um, so yeah, he's funny, but you're also funny. Tell me briefly about, cause I'm interested in this. It's like, uh, throughout my account blowing up, the part that I've actually enjoyed is kind of the copywriting and writing things to make people laugh and then having, People think I'm funny, that kind of thing. You've done some stand-up comedy and it seems to come naturally to you. But can you talk briefly about maybe your your stand-up comedy career and maybe go into your creative process for that a little bit, if any? Yeah. You know, the 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 um <laughs> I'll never forget when I because you know, I grew up in, and I guess I've always I was always funny to some degree. Like I think my parents thought I was funny and my close friends thought I was funny. And I, I was popular enough. I was, you know, I was a town of eight thousand people in Mississippi. So yeah, yeah. They were there weren't cool crowds because it was just too small. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I do remember so vividly doing a youth camp when I was probably eighth grade. Um, and they were doing a skit, and 
out of nowhere, one of them said, hey, you're pretty funny. You should be the host for the skit. And it was like a dating skit, kind of like a funny. And there was no, there was no, um, uh, you know, subject. It was just go. And it, I just got up there and went. And I'll never forget standing on stage, seeing people laugh. And I was like, I'm not even really thinking that hard. This yeah. is just happening. Yeah. And, and I remember coming home and being like, that's a drug. That was interesting because, you know, all the pretty girls laughed. All the guys were laughing. It was like, well, and, and I think too, I just, there was no context for that for me. So I was like, what was that? Yeah. You know, where I think if you live in a bigger city, somebody goes, Hey, you should go try groundlings or you seem like you're really funny, you know? Yeah. So I just thought well, that's cool. And I think that's why um, I've always been so surprised. Well, I'll get to that in a second. So anyway, I, I, I did that when I started writing songs comedy was how I would calm myself down at shows. So I, you know, like I said, I'd never sung. So literally I'd be two songs in and just like about to bleed through my nose out of <laughs> nervousness. And so I just start talking because I knew how to do that. Right. I knew how to make people laugh. That's how I calmed down. That's where I felt natural. And that's sort of get the guts to go into the next song. Interesting. Um, and then, you know, I think as I've gotten older, I mean, this is the truth. This is really weird to say. Um, but I just never knew what humor really could do. You know, I think, um, and I'm not saying like growing up, I was always funny and like, yeah, I just never knew. It's like when you're good at something, you're just good at it. That's not what I mean. I just didn't, I one, never thought of myself as funny. I thought, yeah, whatever. People laugh. It's cool. Mm -hmm. But I never had someone square me up and be like, dude, like you're funny, you know? Um, and then, and then, you know, I did this comedy show probably, uh, Two years ago, one of my stand-up shows, I did about 10 in a row uh, over a summer. And um, I had a, a woman come back after the show, and she's like, hey, that really blessed me. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I really was genuinely confused. Yeah, I yeah. said, what does that mean? She goes, what well, blessed me? It really blessed my night. And I was like, I, I don't know what that means. I don't have a place <laughs> for, like, humor or blessing. Yeah, and yeah. she just said, you know, Dave, I came in on a bad day, and I laughed really hard. And my brain reset. The chemicals in my brain reset. I feel happy. I get to go home and see my kids and I'm going to be happy to see them. I'm not going to be mad. I'm not bringing that stuff in the house. So bless me. It changed my, and it was like something went off in my brain. I was like, Oh my gosh, that is what humor really can do that. You did a service I knew it could to make that person. You laugh and I knew it could make you happy, but I just never thought of it like as a blessing. Like yeah. this is something I can use as a weapon for good toward you. You know, yeah. I think once that happened, it was a life changer for me because I was like, oh, and I think that's why doing these little, you know, minutes of horror slash humor every morning right now are so <laughs> fun because it's like, man, people really are enjoying these. Like, it's a chance for people to like laugh to start the day and then they go about their day, you know, which really changes. I mean, chemically, it changes your brain. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, oh, this is interesting to sort of have a, um, have a place to put this. You know have what I mean? You, have you ever had such a compliment about your music? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that, I think that was one of the blessings early on. I mean, John was a big part of that. I mean, you know, mayor oh, yeah. was, was cause I had just put out my first, I was about to put out my second record and or it had just come out and he did that blog and it just sort of felt like that was a pretty significant stamp, you know, of approval. Uh, Bonnie Raitt was the same way that, there was a lot of people I started to meet living in Nashville who kind of like heard the music and, and were like, Hey man, like I'm here if you need anything. I That's really amazing. Like what you do. If you're like me at all, this quarantine has been kind of a bummer. 
and I've really been looking for ways to improve my thought life, improve my time meditating and reading. And I found that the Upper Room Daily Devotional Guide has been a huge help. So if you check out the Upper Room, you can count on them for daily inspiration, daily community, and daily prayer. It's really the only daily devotional magazine that's written by readers, ordinary people like me, people who have encountered God in daily situations. The Upper Room is here for you every day through your email, a custom app, or printed magazine. And you too can enjoy a free 30-day trial of the email or app service by visiting upperroom.org welcome. That's upperroom.org welcome to get your first 30 days free. Check it out. But it is like now as a, in a new life stage with a wife and three kids, like you've, you've done the music thing for 20 years. Yeah. Does comedy feel like it's a, a new growth stage for you now? Like, is that, that's got kind of a limitless potential. Cause like right now with music, it probably feels like, all right, I've been to the Grammys. I've been to the yeah. CMAs. Yeah. Like there's not much more respectfully, like sure. Yeah. Maybe there is more, but I'm just saying like right. career wise, does that feel yeah. like there's more potential there? I think that's what I'm trying to figure out. That's a great question. I think uh, some of honestly, this quarantine has been a really good sort of like place for me to be still and think about that because I, I think I've just always been scared. My humor would cannibalize my music career. You know, it is two think, different tones. Um, yeah. I've just done it longer. It's, it's definitely something I'm more familiar. I mean, granted now I've been doing music for 25 years. Like if you consider college too, Yeah, but I've been funny for really all my life or I think like I think, and I've always thought like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, you're at least well, funny looking. Well, that's it life. started that way. Yeah. And now thanks to all the surgeries and stuff, but, um, exactly. But the humor stayed. Yeah. The, the humor stayed. stayed. They can't, they can't get that out no matter how much you pay. Um, so I think now it is a fun season of kind of like, okay, what is the next chapter of life? Like what's the next 20 years look like, you know? And I know it will be musical. I mean, that's really my biggest love. And I think that's the trickiest thing with me with comedy. I really enjoy comedy. Like I enjoy doing it. I really, it doesn't give me the satisfaction music does. Yeah. Um, and I think that's always been the litmus paper test for me. It's kind of like, as long as music is giving me life, that's always going to be more of a priority. It doesn't mean I don't want to do comedy stuff and do what I'm doing, but I just know that when I get done doing a day of funny stuff, I don't come home feeling like I did. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I wonder if I could finish that song before I go to bed. You know, yeah. that, that's sort of how my brain works, but that's not to say I don't, I want to diminish humor at all, but I just think it, I have to keep that um, really clear in my head because it's just not, it's not the thing that, you know, it's like, it doesn't get me out of bed. Every yeah. Morning. No, I think that, I think that's fair. What I will say is your, uh, quarantine tiny minutes of humor have even just for me, blessed me. I mean, I, <laughs> th- there's a lot of people on Instagram and TikTok and everything on YouTube that think they're funny and they're not. And it's really hard to be genuinely funny and to be fresh in a world of such oversaturated content and somehow you're able to come up with a new <laughs> bit of content that is completely fresh and kind of insane. Mm-hmm. But f- even just for me, hits me in a different way. And I freaking howl. So uh, I've been a big fan of that. And I know it's like, you're not making any money off of that. You know, there's probably no like Netflix special from that. Right. But that clearly, I mean, for me, that's been a blessing just because, yeah. you know, everyone is pushing out content right now. Yeah. And a lot of it is just so tired. Um, but stuff yeah. you've been pushing out, I've really, really liked. Thanks. Um, I know we're, we're coming up on time. 
but I wanted to briefly go back to the kind of money celebrity thing. Mm. Cause I would like to get your perspective on as a dude that's, uh, written a freaking number one song for Blake Shelton. I mean, you wrote it for you first, but then he stole it. Um, and it was nominated for a Grammy and all of that. Have you, I guess, could you talk me through maybe some of the issues that you've processed about money and celebrity? Mm -hmm. Because you're a believer now. You believe uh, in uh, elevating the name of Jesus more than your own and using your money, like stewarding your money in a wise way. Have you, have you and your wife had issues with maybe appearances to your friends or issues with how you've spent your money? And then people would be like, hey, bro. Seems kind of yeah jacked up. Could you talk to any of that? I know yeah, it's a long you know, question, it's but. that's a great question. I appreciate you asking that. I think that first of all, to encourage you, I think you and I know you do, but like that's a good question to ask. I I think that to to our point earlier, I think like these things are really necessary conversations to me, and they're conversations that I have a lot in Nashville with my friends, and I try to keep money very clear. Like, yeah. and it's really blessed me. I mean, it doesn't make conversations easier sometimes, but I think there's something about when you can pull the when you can pull the the sort of veil back on what you make or how you think about money. Um, and it's tricky because, you know, that can cause struggling for everybody involved, but I yeah. think eventually it, it is the better thing uh, within reason. So I'm glad you asked that. Thanks for asking that. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think, um, I think, I think one of the things that I didn't see coming to answer the first part of that question sure. is, and and I've really tried to talk about this with friends a lot, especially younger friends who are are, are on the other side of success, on the on, not quite there, really trying to get to a place where they feel like you know it's working. Mm -hmm. It's it's you just can't prepare for what it does to your brain, you know. Uh, um, it's just a re it, for me and, I, and a lot of my friends, it's just such a brain tweak. It's like you you start and especially music because I just I don't know anybody that started to do music because they want to make money. Hmm. Like you know, just I know love. guys who wanted to build buildings because they want to make money. I knew guys that wanted to be lawyers because they want to make money. I knew guys want to be doctors because they want to make. I don't know anybody that started to play music because they were like, "I want to make millions of dollars." Yeah, there was no so, social media back then. Like, no. you couldn't see the trappings other than like yeah. MTV. Yeah, at yeah. the time, yeah, yeah. It's because you just love to do it most of the time. You know, you you love the way music makes you feel. You love when you sing a song, how it feels to sing a song. Yeah. So I think especially in my industry, people get to this really weird crossroads where they put out that first or second album and stuff starts to work and it just jacks your whole thing up because your paradigm gets flipped upside down. And, and, and I think one of the hardest things is you've realized you have this power and it really does feel like Spider-Man. You're like, <laughs> what am I responsible for? Like, you know, how do I handle this newfound huh. ability? And, um, and, you know, then not to mention the pressures and the expectations of people. And, and I think that's, an, and I think that's why I like to talk about money in my space in my sort of career space is because again, if you didn't come into it thinking you were going to make money, you want to make money. When you start to make money, you really, you haven't thought about that. And so you start getting checks and all of a sudden you're like, Oh boy, what do I do with this? How do I think about this? Like, and, um, and so I think, you know, one, it, it's been, you know, it's, it's been a little bit of a mind trip because I think I just have had to learn sort of on real time how to think about it. Not so much how we spend money. I'll speak to that in a second, but sure. I think more what success and leverage and how people view you, because I sort of felt like forever that I was just glad to be here. 
It was uh-huh. just like, I can't believe I got into this dance. I can't yeah. believe I got into this game that I'm sitting on the bench and I'm watching these guys play and I'm actually on the team. And then it's like, you start to have success and you're like a, your teammate. Now you're like starting the games or whatever the analogy would be. And so I think that has messed with my brain. Cause it was like, once I had, you know, number one, then I had another number one. And then you start getting songs cut and stuff starts working in your career and you're playing certain venue, whatever it is. It suddenly was like, wait, does this mean like, like I'm, I'm, I've done it. Like, so does this mean people look at me and now they expect greatness? Cause I've had a, I've had a little bit of a track record of it. Hmm. And then it was like, boy, just my brain just caught on fire because it was like, I just, I didn't have a pedigree for that. I was, yeah. and I think a lot of people don't. You know, they're just like, man, I'm glad to be here. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, hey, guess what? Here's an award or here's this thing. And you're amazing. And you're like, amazing. I'm amazing? They're like, yeah, no, you're amazing. And you're like, oh, well, that's not how I, I got to change my whole thing then. Because I sort of assume I'm like, not amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so, so that's been tricky. Huh. And then I think the second part to your point, you know, one of, one of the greatest things about my marriage uh, to my incredible wife is that she and I both really love benevolence. I mean, yeah. and we've been like that before we even had any money. Um, and it's not like we got a ton of money now, but. I don't know. Uh, I'm looking at your uh, white shiplap <laughs> walls in the back. <laughs> yeah. This is actually, you can push this down. This is all. Oh, oh it's, yeah. it's just hooked up yeah. by a uh, two by four. Yeah, I'm at Home Depot right now. Oh, okay. Oh, you're in the uh, uh, Ikea. Yeah. They wow. can rent their podcast studio and it's uh, awesome. Um, no, but I think, you know, that that's, that's been, that's really one of the, the biggest, um, that's been one of the biggest parts of our relationship and the way we live our life is just really, you know, I spent a lot of time with Ed Cash and and Chris Rice, who's a Christian artist. And yeah. Both those guys, you just couldn't get, you couldn't pay for anything. Like anywhere you went, this is back in my early twenties when I didn't have any money mm-hmm. and, um, and you just couldn't pay, you, you go to eat and they'd pay for it. It's sneaky. You know, you, you try to, and then, Oh dude, they pay for you. You know, I'm just like, and it really moved me because I'm not really from that space. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I didn't really grow up around a lot of people who were really benevolent like that. And I yeah. think one is because people just didn't have money. Now, I don't think you have to have money to be benevolent. That's not my point. But right. I just didn't know that. I, I wasn't around a lot of people that were just that giving. And um, and it really, it deeply moved me. Like it was a very, very important part of my early 20s is seeing these couple of friends who just really didn't care about money that way. And, and I just was like, that's how I want to be. And so Annie and I have really been like that for, uh, for the, all of our marriage. And so for us, I think it's this, you know, I think about when you make money and whatever version of celebrity I am, like, I guess the lowercase C, but like, um, international celebrity. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's small. I too, but, um, but I feel like still an that just means Mexico, um, (laughs) really, really Canada. Um, but, you know, I think, I think that's a big deal to us. We, we just really, you know, we're always trying to sort of think of like, okay, as money comes in, what's the way it can go back out? Yeah. You know? And that's not easy. Cause I think, you know, when every now and then when you see like a bigger check for something or whatever, you know, my brain is like, oh my gosh, guess what we can shore up. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we can like. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I just try to be really open to going, you know, this is a real responsibility. I feel like there is a fiscal responsibility to our faith. And I think like, you know, and I mean, honestly, like I'm, I, it's funny. I, I really want to buy this Land Rover right now. And it's a discovery, you know, and I okay. think about preachers and sneakers and I think like, is this going to be a car I drive around and so people go like, mm, check Barnes out. Hey, you know, like they, they start an account that's like writers and I don't know what the, Ranges. the you know, tires and writers. 
<laughs> but but there's also a piece of that where I just kind of have to go, you know, first of all, the, they, these cards aren't as expensive. I tell, I was laughing at the friend of mine the other day because he was like, don't you just want to tell everybody, you're like, dude, it's $35,000. Okay, <laughs> stop judging me. It's less than your van. You know what I mean? So, so there is this really weird dichotomy. And I, I really love in my marriage that I really trust Annie. And so when I say, hey, am I bad? You know, we can afford it. I'm going to trade in my car to, you know, all those kind of things. But I'm just to be really candid. Um, you know, and she's always like, no, it's not bad. And you should buy it. It's great. And you'll enjoy it. And it's not too expensive. Sweet woman. You know what I mean? And just to go, okay, if nothing else, and I have friends, like I talk to my friends about that. That's something we talk about, you know, and I think, you know, Wirtz Wirtz is one of my, he really taught me a lot of how to do that. I mean, I remember him calling me uh, 15 years ago and he was going to buy this car. And he said, Hey, do you think I should buy this car? Is it going to look bad if I buy it? Like, is it too expensive? He's like, I can afford it. But I mean, do you think people will think bad? And, and I was like, no. And he's like, cool. And I thought, you know, that's, that's I wisdom. like that life. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think I like- that that whole posture is nestled in wisdom, right? Like yeah. to say, hey, we have earned and received way more than we ever thought we could ever earn or receive. It's up to us to make it a blessing to other people mm. at a minimum, I think. Yeah. And that's just wise to be living in community to say, hey, am I off base by wanting this $80,000 Range Rover or this $35,000 Land Rover. I think a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people don't have that, but I think everyone should. Like it's like one person that can, I mean, my wife too is a saint in that like when this whole thing blew up and the Today Show was calling, she was like, hey, how much do you love the Today Show calling, asking you to be on? And I was like, I love it a lot, actually. She's like, yeah, you need to check yourself, jackass. Yeah, she's like, look at you smeagling over there. You're just goleming. Like, your back is, you're like, oh, yes. The attention. Yeah. 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 No, but I I received that well because, um, you know, you you could easily be dreadful with Mm -hmm. it. Like, and I'm sure at some point in Nashville, people recognized you around town. I'm sure that now, like, it maybe they care more about Kelsey Ballerini or something. Like, I'm sure you can be unharassed at restaurants now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure at one point people were like, Oh shit, Dave Barnes. What's up, mm-hmm. dude? He's got great eyes. Like, <laughs> Hey, can I get an autograph? That's what they always say. <laughs> <laughs> but what about my music? Oh my gosh. Um, so I just, I want to learn from people that have, have gone through some of these things because, you know, to have talent and to make money from having a talent isn't a bad thing, Yeah, but it is, wisdom or lack of wisdom and how you hoard it or give it away or how you spend it. Like it's worth asking ourselves, Hey, how is this going to make me look? Not because I want to be controlled by the opinions of others, but there is some element of wisdom to say, Hey, maybe the forerunner would look less flashy than the Audi or something like that. I mean, I love, I mean, words as an Audi real talk. <laughs> it's a nice. I've, I've written yeah. It it's, it's a weird, I, I, I mean, and this is your, this is your world. I mean, this is literally, you're sitting in the epicenter of this whole thing with, with, with what you're doing. But I, I think it's, um, it's just tricky. I think for me, one of the sort of equations that I try to work out in my brain when I have these moments, I'm like, you know, it'd be cool to sort of do this thing over here that might cost money or yeah. whatever is like, man, if my benevolence is matching that, hopefully it's more than that. But if there's a real sense of like, I'm I'm still giving as much. 
and I'm investing in people and, and projects and what they're doing. And th- then I'm less worried about my heart. But when it's like, if the benevolence starts to dries up because I want to make these decisions, that's troublesome. That's, yeah. that's not a great place to be. And I think, uh, I think that's, you know, that's kind of where it gets like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not, you know. And I think too, and, and really, again, to your point and what you're doing, I need to be like, I need to be reconciled with the fact that decisions I make, if someone calls me out on them, I need to be okay to back up whatever that was or admit that I just wanted it. I, I, I don't have a good reason for it. I just really wanted these shoes. I wanted that car. I wanted yeah. whatever, you know? And I mean, Lord knows I'm not buying anything. That really would even go. But, but you know what I mean? In the event you do, you know, that somebody yeah. goes like, dude, those are some nice room. And you're like, well, you know, I just, it was my thing this year. Yeah. This and to have or whatever, or like. Oh, and to have people that can either validate that or tell you it's a lie. So like, yeah, if it's, you know, if somebody's being real crappy about some minute thing that you did online or something, it's very helpful to have a network of homies that say, dude, that's not true. People that know. And that's you, love the thing. You. And that, you know, that, that, that is the thing. I, I remember having a conversation and I, I mean, I could get emotional about this, but uh, I'm trying to think what it was. I was talking to words about this not long ago and something about money stuff came up and we we're talking and, and, uh, I'm trying to think what it was, but he just said, he said, dude, you're one of the most benevolent people I know. Like, like, don't worry about that. And and I think, you know, to your point, cause, it, cause there's such a difference, exactly what you said. There's such a difference in someone calling out somebody that everybody around them goes like, yeah, he's wearing a thousand. Have you ever spent a, t- a day with this guy? Yeah. You go, Oh, that's amazing. Like he's got a thousand, but he's such a cool, look how servant hearted and he's kind. And, everybody, and his community is like, like this guy's legit. Yeah, yeah. He just has those nice shoes. You know? Because then it's like, oh, well, cool. Like, hey, he got some nice shoes. Good thing. for him. Yeah. You know, but I think it it leans a lot on the life we live and the and the product that we're putting out of faith into the world. Because hopefully, whatever those accusations are, or or the misunderstandings or whatever they are, they they don't they they lose and the weighing of those things, like your life weighs more than that post or that accusation or somebody misunderstanding something or, you know, if I get that car and I pull in a summer restaurant and somebody's like, Oh, look at, look at the whip. And then hopefully it's going to be like, dude, just go, you should talk to him. Man. I think you really like him. And he's not, you know, he just likes that car. You know, it's not like, so, you know, I think it, I think it, there is so much impetus to knowing that our lives speak and that I think especially they speak hopefully with some weight and in, in comparison to these things that can be, you know, that's a accused, word. you know, we can be accused of. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can with almost a hundred percent certainty guarantee that no one is going to question your $30,000 Land Rover, but I get why you were so concerned about it. You know, since. You My know. Ultra Boost though, what do you know about your Ultra Boost? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> $200 retail. It's fine though. <laughs> No, that's my favorite pair of shoes. I mean, that's the comfiest pair of shoes. They are, dude. They're the Cadillacs. All right. I've taken like 20 minutes more of what I said I would take. Uh, You have an album out. Yeah. Dreaming in Electric Blue. Yep. What other what other things do you have to promo? You have 14 podcasts coming out over the next six months. What else? I actually have five new records. (laughs) I'm starting to land over dealership too. Um, No, I, uh, you know, it is a really fun season for me. That that was one of the things about the quarantine I was actually sort of weirdly excited about because I felt I was laughing with my wife about this last night. It just felt like this was leaning into like a skill set of mine because 
I am a producer. I feel like I'm a content guy. Uh-huh. Um, and um, not being on the road suddenly was like, man, I can sort of lean into some things that I haven't just had time. And I'm not touring a lot. That's not what I mean. But it just sort of felt like I've got a lot more downtime. Yeah. So um, I put out that record. We're doing a remix, a reimagined version of the same record that's coming out in August. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, called Dreaming Electrically Reimagined, which is cool because I did a song with the Shadow Boxers. They remixed a song. Um, they were out with Justin Timberlake opening last year on his world tour. Heck yeah. So it's fun because I just got some friends of mine to remix the songs. And so that's coming out in August. Um, we do Dadville, um, the podcast is coming out Father's Day with John. And then um, Days Five Hot Takes will come out in the fall. Um, and then... Because uh, you've, yeah, been, so you've been doing those on Instagram already. Days yeah, five hot yeah takes. and we just turned them into audio version. And you know we're going to be doing interviews and fun stuff like that. So that's it awesome. is a fun season. It does kind of feel like I'm sort of like doing a lot of planting and, and, and watering right now, hopefully for, you know, in a few months when it sort of turns into a, a crop, that's a terrible analogy. Um, mm, to harvest your four yeah. rows that you were getting. Yeah, that we, <laughs> that's what I got. I got three. I think I have two and a half. And half of them are wilting already. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> All right. Well, Dave Barnes, thanks for spending the time with me. You've got incredible depth. Like I was a fan of yours before, but I uh, am incredibly challenged by some of the things you said. Um, if people want to find you online, how do they find you? Yes. Yeah, just Dave Barnes music on all the social platforms. Dave Barnes music. Okay. Uh, Dave, thanks for spending the time and hope we can meet in person. I know guys. we got, we got to get a ticket to kick it. Yeah. would love to experience the ship lap and all of its glory <laughs> back there. That's what my name, my, <laughs> I'm actually putting out a third podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> Conversations from the ship lab. <laughs> yes. It's uh, what would it be called? Like a ride on the ship lap. <laughs> All aboard the... A ride on the magic ship lap. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's awesome. All right, buddy. Well, hey, thanks for talking. Yeah, thanks so much. All right. Talk to you later. All right. See you. Bye. Big shouts out to Dave Barnes once again for coming on the podcast. I freaking love that dude. If you haven't already, please make sure you follow him on all the socials as well as on Spotify. Buy his music online. Support the dude. He's hilarious and talented and brings so much joy to so many people. And if you couldn't tell, Dave also provided the intro and ad music from his newest album, Dreaming in Electric Blue. Be sure to check that out on Spotify and Apple Music as well. Again, I really appreciate listening to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Follow me on all the socials at Preaching the Sneakers as well as PreachingTheSneakers.com. Super grateful for your time and the amount of love and support you've given me throughout this past year thanks so much for listening and please be sure to check out the next episode of the preachers and sneakers podcast Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.